Dale Not Dale Podcast. Say it. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, What's up, man? Oh, man. Just another day, another dollar. Dude. I don't even know what that means. I don't either, but I like it. Yeah. Feels good. You can't do much with a dollar these days. I hope it's... I hope I made more than a dollar today, though. Dude. You know how much money I waste at gas stations? Way more than a dollar. Yeah. Do you, like, waste gas putting gas in your truck? Or waste money putting gas in your truck? Is that what you're saying? Or No, I'm talking about, like, go inside. Like, I'll buy gummy wristwatch. Gummy watch. Coke bottles. Oh, gummy Coke bottles. That's my... That's my... That's my craving I I crave. Yeah. And I'll eat a whole bag, and it's like probably 400-something calories of just nothing. Oh, it's beautiful, though. And it's so good. What about... Do you like sour cherry balls? Yeah. Oh, I love those. So we're going to ask our guests today, how do we kick these cravings? We need to. So today we have a fun one. We have uh, Thomas DeLauer, the... Uh, Fitness guru, keto guru, uh, this dude's sharp, man. I don't know if anybody's been, I've been following for years. Well, I say for, yeah, I've been following for a couple years now. Instagram, YouTube, guy's got a huge following. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn being a uh, former ketosis brother. Yeah. Of his. Dude, I I, want to do it again. We're going to do it. So we're making the pack? If you're hearing this, we start keto that day. I'm down. On the day this releases, we're starting keto. I want to try it. So we're doing it right. So we're starting it. Yeah, because I want to ask him about some things that uh, questions I've had about doing a keto diet while CrossFit training. Uh, if it can help with joints and aches and things like that, I'm, I'm just curious to see. Cause this guy's super versed. Yeah. And we're gonna have him for. He said maybe we got an hour with him, so we got to really make this count. Yeah, but I think we got some questions that we can ask that uh, that this this would be good that we're face to face with him talking versus uh, sending a message or whatever. Right. So I know you got you got your own questions or maybe not so much questions, but things that you've done in the past. And yeah, experiences maybe and how to do it better, maybe or yeah. Well, I'm, what you've learned. I'm more so uh, you know looking at his content. He he explains things well. I think. He's sharp, man. He's shredded. And if you want to get like real technical with him, he'll get technical. Yeah. If you want to get real dumb with him, he'll dumb it down for you. He'd have to do it to me. What? Be technical? Dumb it down. No. <laughs> I would just be lost, dude. I mean, his videos are great. So that's one good thing he does. I guess if anybody anything does, he's passionate about what he does. Yeah. And he's well-versed, but he also does break it down to where someone like me that isn't Super scientific, can understand it. Don't play the dumb card with me. I'm not dumb. I know. But I'm just saying, but he can really break it down for me to understand it where it makes sense. Like, okay, well, I'm not a, I don't lose interest. I'm saying he keeps, right. he, keeps yeah. he keeps the people engaged. Yeah. So he's not boring. No, not at all. He's a good looking dude. He's freaking ripped. He's like, I mean, it's like me. I, well, every time I talk to him, like online, I think I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And Y'all I was getting, yeah, both done ketosis. I, you, yeah. You both are ripped. I'm ripped. I trained the military. Trained the military, yeah. Yep. You're, uh, you spoke at the CrossFit Games before. I did, and won them. And you won the CrossFit Games. It was, it was small, but it was yeah. a small game. Yeah. He did it. <laughs> he did it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else been going on? No, man. Just uh, 
Same old, same old. I'm still feeling unorganized. Why? I don't know. I feel like since you met me, your life been unorganized. So I want to talk. <laughs> do how much time? Do we got a little time? I'm, Go I want to talk, talk about this. Go ahead. My life is all about organization. I'm very, I'm re- very regimented. I want things on a calendar. I want to follow a few steps, a few processes, because I'm bad at multitasking. I feel like your entry into my life, although you're very, I, I love you dearly, <laughs> and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You've really kind of messed me up, dude. I am the total opposite of everything that you are. I know, but can you, can we just? We're the yin and yang. Can we compromise at all? Dude, I, you might be the most organized, unorganized person I've ever met. I, I I balance a lot of irons in the fire. People ask me like, dude, how do you do all the stuff you do? I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. I don't even think about it. You're the only person I know that will start a conversation. We'll be mid talking about something for a podcast, and you switch me over to like, let's go bowling. <laughs> Like, dude, I, I I love to bowl. I love to podcast. But we can't. The, you can't podcast and bowl at the same time, not on a whim. Oh man, I know, dude. I had, the same thing. I had the when I did my end of the year review. I think I talked about this with the owner of my company, and uh, I'm like, dude, I just. He's like, you give your you don't give yourself enough credit. You do think. I'm like, I don't. I feel like I don't think. I feel like I just I just go with feel, and I react. And I yeah. do things like I'm just like I'm a gunslinger, bro. You're the only. You, I bet during that year end review, you were already talking about your next year's review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like wait, don't. No, don't. we went bowling halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, man, we're gonna. Dude, uh, you're gonna. I'm gonna get you organized. Yeah, and maybe our next logo should be a yin and yang symbol with me and you. It. it I mean, I don't really know the origins of yin and yang. That might either. be a bad thing. We need we need to look that up. We'll, we'll just Google it. We're yin and yang. I'm just saying, we're just we're alike, but we're way different too. With the organization, we are absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I I am a mess, but it works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work for me though. That's that's. <laughs> See, that's the problem. I can't control you. I, no, I know. Can I give you a – I'm going to give everybody a preview of Dale Mills. Here we go. Uh, Before Dale's coming over here, I'm on the phone, I've, and I've told Dale, you know, my life is 8 to 5. I'm working. Like, I'm busting, I'm busting my ass. So he calls me 4.30. <laughs> so he figured maybe 4.30 was the time, but it was 5. And then he texts me. He says, I'm on the way. We need to set up prior to five. Can't waste any time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing to set up. <laughs> there is literally nothing to set up. We have to push this button right here. Nothing else. Oh, I do have to turn on a light, though. Well, I did. I want the light to come on when I get in here. I want I to be see, on. I mean, <laughs> see your, your comfortability is affecting the way I live my life. I know. And you don't, you don't care. I don't know. I love that. Maybe we should have a therapist on our show. You know, my mom's a therapist. You want to have Miss Kimberly on here to analyze us? Oh, we're going to do it. I'm down. I'm down. You can't, you can't pick on her. No, you like to pick on your mom. Uh, She's going to be a professional, just happens to be your mother. Okay, we'll do it. And she needs to break us down. That would be awesome. And I want to hear the harsh truth about me. 
But can we gear it just towards you? Because quite frankly, there's nothing. Uh, yeah, you're perfect. I'm pretty race. perfect. <laughs> My baby boy. <laughs> Uh, but maybe she sees me as her other son. She may not be harsh on me. Yeah. But I want some tough love, Mom. Yeah. Give it to me. She. My mom still says, y- y- I want to go see your little friends. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me see your little friends. <laughs> Vaughn and his little friends. <laughs> and I'm like, Mom, they're like 40. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, but you're always going to be little. It's like, it's like, okay, Mom, I don't say, I want to go see you and your old ass friends. <laughs> <laughs> you should start. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> Oh, uh, so yeah. Ever since I've been in your life, it's been great. Yeah, there's a lot of great things about it. Mo- the good thing is, most of it is great. Okay, good. Organization, that's not. <laughs> that is not on par. One with, out of five stars. Uh, that is not. A, that is not on par with how anybody in their life should be. <laughs> uh, you're the only. You're probably the. Oh, I could do this all day. You're probably the only guy I know that would schedule a vacation to Florida, get to get to Mississippi, and decide. You know what? I've always wanted to go to Nevada, and just turn around. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't put it past me. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. So, so anyway, yeah, Thomas DeLauer's coming on. <laughs> yeah. um, this episode's definitely about diet and, and making right choices. Um, it has zero to do with organization. That's going to be something else. Yeah, this guy's got his he's, – he's well put together. Yes, he is. I'm not. But. Just don't talk a lot. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I, I'm just going to try to zone in on what he's saying because he's so smart and uh, yeah. I'm not worthy. You start talking, he'll start eating cake. I know. <laughs> it's a relapse. <laughs> this guy's an idiot. <laughs> Poor Thomas. Uh, he don't know what he's getting himself into. No, like I said, it'll be good, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, one, because you know about ketosis. I don't know. I yeah. only know what I hear, what I've read. Uh, I'm definitely intrigued in doing it. So I think us doing it together. Yeah. We can hold each other accountable. Our ketosis buddy. Yeah. Accountability buddy accountability partner yep so we'll start this today this comes out we're starting so if you're hearing this on tuesday february 8th right yep february 8th yeah we will be starting keto wait tuesday's february 7th no today's the oh yeah february 7th i'm sorry i'll edit that it's my son's birthday 8th or 7th 7th we should go to phoenix and celebrate that's a whole nother story (laughs) And I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick this over. Uh, let's get the music started. We're going to come back. And when we come back, we will have Mr. Thomas DeLauer, the shredded, handsome keto man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. All right. Uncle Dale and Vaughn with stories to unfold To sit back, relax, and behold We discussing life and all its ups and downs Tune in from your side of town Talking pop cultures, movies, and TV shows Giving the thoughts and much more This shit is style, clothes, and gadgets galore Keeping you entertained, you'll be begging for more Cause we gonna laugh and hey, maybe even crying But one thing's for sure, you'll be smiling Alright, Thomas, you there? I am here all right hey this is this i'm dale who we mean you've been talking this is vaughn just says she can't tell the difference of us i'm dale's <laughs> dale's mentor he's my nice he's my stunt double yes so uh yeah man we got uh mr thomas delauer is that how you say it delauer yes you got it all right we got mr thomas delauer on uh 
man i've been following you for a while dude and we've linked up on instagram and been talking and uh man i, I, I watch a lot of your content i've been sending some of your stuff to vaughn to yeah. uh to check out <laughs> and uh he's actually done keto before so i did a lot i've done keto a lot <laughs> nice. He may, he may not do it. He may not may not been doing it the right way. Uh, no, I did it the right way. I was I was pretty I was pretty good for it for about six months. There we go. So, did, it work, uh, did it work for yeah. you? Oh my gosh, it, unreal! How much it's, it worked. It's incredible. Um, it is literally one of those things that you have to have the willpower. I'm yeah. I, I I have extreme amount of will and things that I do, and um, you know I stuck to it pretty strict i didn't i didn't cheat there was no cheating going on which is hard for people so but yeah it worked it was great good man yeah it's that's kind of what's you know keto it's sometimes people kind of put it in this bucket of magic you know but at the end of the day it still takes that prefrontal cortex kind of it still takes that willpower at the end of the day nothing is nothing is magic it's just when when you do stick to it it's it's pretty damn pretty damn awesome yeah yeah, so uh, I mean, I guess for our followers, uh, some may not know who you are. I mean, you you got a big following yourself, so I guess you introduce yourself, man. Tell a little about a little bit about you and what you do and uh, why you're you. Yeah, I'm really just some dude on the internet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you've probably seen me floating around. I mean, my main medium is is YouTube. I've got about three and a half million subscribers on YouTube in the metabolic kind of optimization world. Uh, I sort of fell into that it's like nobody ever well maybe now it's different but you know back when i started six seven years ago definitely didn't intend on being a content creator that was not my goal at all i uh you know i'm a pretty introverted guy but essentially you know my channel is uh biochem pretty like trying to biochem distilled down to the masses so that people can understand it uh, you know my background and how I ended up there. I, I have no PhD behind my name. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the internet or TV. I don't pretend to be one, but I'm really good at articulating complex subject matter, probably just because of my, my background in, uh, in healthcare. I worked in healthcare for quite a while. And I, my main role basically being in biotech and biomed sales was selling to physicians and learning how to like explain the complex things to physicians and how it makes sense for them within their practice really got me good at articulating this stuff. And then when I went through my own transformation, because I was about 110 pounds heavier than I am now, um, that kind of got me some, I'm flash forwarding, condensing a story, but uh, essentially went through a transformation, got in very good shape, uh, landed a couple of magazine covers just because I, I just kind of pushed it and willed it into existence until they put me on the cover, <laughs> basically threatened <laughs> them. And then, uh, no, once that happened, I got a little bit of mainstream exposure. At the same time, I had written a little ebook on my on my transformation, right? Just a silly little stupid thing. And it never, so basically I took this little sabbatical from my company that I was with. We had an exit. I took a little bit of a buyout and said, okay, now I've got enough time to really figure out what I want to do over the next couple of years, you know, take a little sabbatical, take a little break. And that's when I, I wrote this silly PDF. Like, it was really just like, oh, you know, my wife's like, people probably want to hear your story. It's like, no one wants to, like, who cares? Who gives a shit? So anyway, so <laughs> I wrote it and it was back in the days of Facebook when you could actually post something and people would see it. I don't know if yeah. anyone ever remembers those days, but, uh, <laughs> but so I, it started like selling like crazy. And I'm like, this is really weird. And it was sort of my intermittent fasting and keto and stuff that I had done to lose a hundred pounds. And it just started taking off. Yeah. And then I'm like, wow, like 
people, I'm resonating with people. And I did some videos to kind of, kind of sling and hawk this silly ebook. Uh, next thing I know, I'm actually like making a decent living selling my ebook. And I put some of my videos on YouTube just for the heck of it that were basically talking about my transformation and dude, it just caught fire. And then I realized that I had something that other people didn't. And I became very confident in that. And my, that was just the ability to distill information, but more so get people excited about it and get passionate about it. And I think that's, you know, anyone can read a research, well, not anyone can read a research paper, but you know, people can read a study, get a basic idea of it and try to articulate it. But I think what I do really well is just get people excited about it understanding how their body's working, why their body is doing something. Uh, and I always say with education comes adherence. So I try to just have some fun with it and make it so that it's not like sophomore biology class. So it's, you know, you, you get all these like cartoony things on YouTube trying to teach kids about biology. And it's like, I don't want, didn't want it to be like that. I'm like, how do I talk to an adult without boring them? Also yeah. not making them feel like crap about themselves because they're probably in a pretty <laughs> terrible place. And how do I lift them up? I give them just the superficial education they need or as dense as it needs to be. Um, the rest is history. And now I'm just doing that all day long. So, yeah, so, so one, what, one thing, one quick thing about your videos, like, man, the way you articulate the words and how you break it down, dude, it's like you're so well-versed in it. And so where, and then one, you've done it, your transformation. So you're very believable. But then the way you talk about it, like, I just... I wouldn't doubt anything you say, honestly, because it sounds, I mean, it's very, uh, it's very articulated. Well, well I appreciate that, man. I mean, I, I, I try, I, I do the best that I can. I mean, I, I, I have a good understanding of everything and, and been doing this for long enough now that, you know, I have a good repository of information in this gray matter. And my wife says it's mostly useless information, but occasionally <laughs> it ends up coming out in a way that helps people. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, and I, I think I thoroughly enjoy what I do. That's, that's the thing. I mean, so you can do something and, and fake it until you make it and then you burn out. But I think the reason that I've been able to keep the momentum up for as many years as I have been is because I, I don't get bored. Like I really do enjoy this and there's always new stuff to talk about. Um, and it's just, it is fun. It's a lot of fun. I was uh, watching some shows today and or some, some of your content today and <clears throat> just to articulate on that piece I, I like the way you do take a complex matter and you know, like using your words to still it down because uh, I think a lot of people there's a lot of P influencers workout moguls that use scientific term and definition and process to something on when people don't understand what that is in layman's terms it's literally you know diet for dummies or whatever it is it's it's really dumbed down is probably not the word to use but it's dumbed down enough for people to understand um and articulate to themselves as well on you know lifestyle and changes and working out and and i, I couldn't appreciate that for sure yeah it's definitely you know my my channels had sort of many evolutions and iterations if you want to call it that and it's like when i first started things were very very basic and simple and then it got a level of complexity in there. And then I kind of went through a phase where I, I was just talking about things I was interested in. So I started getting super nuancy and I started noticing, okay, as soon as I start, if I get, start getting too granular and too biochemical with people, 
I lose them, you know, and I can mm-hmm. see all these metrics yeah. and watch the watch times and see like, okay, if I'm going dense, it's just not clicking. Um, so I try to balance, you know, I still try to do one or two videos a week that allow me to sort of get my scientific rocks off, if you will, and really just go deep (laughs) and people just, you know, they, they know that I almost need to put a warning label on those, you know, that's just like, this one's going to go deep, but I really do like explaining it, uh, you know, and going complex and then bringing it back because it's about educating people. And I think a lot of people online right now, it's like this competition for everybody, like it's competition for who's smartest and it's going to lead to a lot of people just being discouraged. And I've really tried to say with my true North of being like, you know what? My goal is not to be the smartest person in the room. My goal is to be the person that inspires the people to make the change and then gives them the tools that they can use to pragmatically, you know, actually change their lives versus just be like, Hey, look at this guy. He sounds smart. Like, I don't know. There's a reason why people only scientific people go to scientific lectures, right? It's just, it's not yeah. <laughs> like yeah. regular Bob Smith. Isn't going to go watch, you know, doctor such and such talk about exosomes and what have you it's just not going to be appealing yeah so you lost 110 pounds how long how long did that take you to do i lost it pretty quick man i lost it like a year and a half or so wow yeah were you, were you always a heavy guy prior to that i mean you were no and that's where i try to i try to you know full disclaimer with people it's like no my my uh the result of me being overweight man it was uh I was a super skinny kid, super okay. skinny. I was a long distance runner. I was a track athlete. I was just like super skinny. I was the, the bullied, picked on kid. And by the time I was junior, senior in high school, I started, okay, I'm going to try to bulk up. I actually started lifting when I was like 13 just to supplement my running. Like I always, I was a very introverted, very nerdy person that marched to the beat of a different drum. And candidly, I didn't have many friends. And all I really did have was running in the gym. And so like I understood that. But then by the time I was like 16, 17, I was really tired of being a scrawny guy. So I was like, started hitting the gym hard, started um, graduate high school, kind of flash forward a little bit, get into a commission only job. I'm an executive recruiter in the healthcare industry at that time, a physician recruiter before I got into my other role. So I started young in the healthcare industry, super high stress job and started having a decent amount of financial success in that. I was, I was winning pretty well for my age and I started just not hitting the gym anymore. I mean, it was so, so what had started out as like, Hey, I'm going to try to build muscle and like eat a bunch of calories turned into eating a bunch of calories, not going to the gym and sitting on my ass and being super stressed out. At one point I was drinking like 14 or 15 monster energy drinks a day. Like no joke, Ugh. no exaggeration. Ugh. I was, I took myself from being a pretty healthy high schooler to being like on the fast track, like not just an accelerated metabolic dysfunction, but like the fast track to killing myself. Like it was I was eating such unbelievable crap. It was ridiculous. Uh, so I gained weight very, very fast and my health just went to absolute garbage. And I talk about this story a lot. Um, every Tuesday and Thursday I would have meetings across town and I would, when I would go across town, I would be, I would feel like it was a safe place for me to go through the drive through and not get seen. Right. Like I didn't realize that like, like people knew I was fat, right? Yeah. But I, for some reason in my head, I thought that I would still be fine if I went to the other side of town. And if no one saw me, then it didn't really happen. It's kind of like if you snack and it's not a part of a meal, it doesn't actually count, you know? The calories but, don't count. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm getting my Jack in the Box tacos, which I always got this like, Oh, they're phenomenal. Delightful, like translucent. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, where the, the, the grease is so heavy that you and can dip see. Dip them in buttermilk? You got to dip them in buttermilk. <laughs> no, I just. Oh. Yeah. 
you've never lived. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to relapse now. Thanks. Um, yeah, just do it once. Yeah. So, but I actually thought about doing a video of that. Just being like, what would like, so they can capture the expression on my face when I bite into one of those things again, like people oh, could see so, like, so. this is when he went back. Yes. Oh, please <laughs> do that. Downward spiral. You'll come back. You'll come back. Just one, just one, just one taco is not going to kill anyone. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were good, man. And you know the funny thing is, I mean, slight side note, like when I was running cross country in high school, and I was just clocking a lot of miles. I ran my first marathon when I was eleven, so I did a lot of running early yeah. on. So I would like go to cross country, and then I would no kidding like pound like eight of those things because I could. I was I was yeah, burning okay. through it. So I developed this taste for them. And then when the the exercise stopped, it's like the sort of the you know, you hear the like NFL athlete or the college football athlete that's like an athlete in college and then all of a sudden they get into the real world and they just become obese, right? It happens. Mm-hmm. It was just an accelerated version for me. Um, so anyway, but I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm eating this taco and this buddy of mine or acquaintance that I barely even knew, like he was just associated with me. I just knew him through a couple of friends. He drives by and he makes like sheer eye contact with me right as I'm biting into this dripping, oozing thing. Oh. And he just nonchalantly waves. And it was just the fact that had it been a close friend of mine, it wouldn't have had the same impact. But the fact yeah. that it was just this dude that was kind of barely in a fraction of my life. And the way he just nonchalantly was like, oh, there's Tom stuff in his face. He probably does this every day. The look on his face and the, the wave was just so casual that I was just like, what the heck? Like, who am I kidding? Like that dude just, that's just how he sees me. And it was that random little moment that was like, I got to change something. Like this has got to stop. Cause I've always been such a, like to my detriment, a people pleaser growing up. I was always just like trying to please. So what people thought of me was very important to me in that sense. So I was almost driven by shame, but in some ways, like I'm open with that and being driven by that shame was the catalyst that I needed to like change my life. And, um, you know, I've been with my wife since high school, so she's seen me through every iteration of Thomas DeLauer, right? She's seen me skinny. She's seen me fat. She's loved me equally. And I guess just because she never made a comment negatively about it, I just was thought, Hey, I'm loved. Rolling. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's uh, but anyway, that's how it all started. It's, um, having this so short conversation we've just had, I, I feel a lot of dieting and healthy lifestyle. I mean, the amount of mental that is, that goes into it, I, I would say is more so important to a person than it is the actual physical. It's the understanding yeah. yourself and how you, you know, how you think and, you know, people pleasing is, is always for the most part, why people start to change their own lifestyle. They don't do it for themselves. A lot of times they do it to change for the outside world. And then once they do that, they become comfortable within their own self and it becomes more of a personal thing. Um, so I, I, that's like a kind of a, my, what I'm gathering out of this is, you know, thinking back. And I think that's for a lot of people, it's doing it for somebody else. And then it becomes something, a part of your life and a trend and, you know, something you continue to do. So a hundred percent, it is hundred percent. It's, I always say, it's like, you know, you have to, you have to prefrontal cortex your way through it. I say that a lot. It's like, that's like the first part, like there's no lifestyle intervention is one of the most important things. And my, the fact that my lifestyle of being very active, but with a relatively poor diet young, when I was early, earlier on, I had this 
understanding of simple thermodynamics that like if I moved more, I could eat more, which was very important to me. If I didn't have that, I don't know if I would have had the success with keeping the weight off. So I, in some ways it's discouraging to people because they look at me for transformation inspiration. But I also try to explain like the, cause they're like, Oh, I was always the fat kid. Thomas wasn't always fat. He was fat for a period of his life and then he lost weight. But in a lot of ways, it allows me to speak from experience of like, you have to, you have to get these lifestyle habits. You have to get this. Mm-hmm. That is the most fundamental thing. Everything else is just little bits and pieces that'll make your life easier. Sure. There's the hacks. Sure. There's this and that. And there's the reasons why like keto works well for some people. And there's the reason why fasting works well for some people. And there's a reason why vegan works for some people. The bottom line is that like you have to do what resonates with you as a person in order to make it a lifestyle. So Unfortunately, we've got like so many people barking different theories and different ideas and what's best on social media. All it's doing is paralyzing people when in reality, we should just be embracing to do whatever the heck works for you and you can stick to. Um, And then once you can do that and master that, then you can have fun with it and start making the tweaks and really just make it a make it almost a hobby. But you got to get those fundamentals first. Yes, I. You know, I was the same way. I was a skinny kid my whole life. I think I graduated at six foot, 135 pounds. Oh, man. Yeah. I was a golfer just then. I didn't care about lifting weights. My dad was a bodybuilder, so I grew up around it. I just didn't care for it. And then fast forward to like 24, I started working out. I was like skinny fat. I I was like 160 at 6'2". And I was like, oh, man, I got to start working out. So I started working out, got up to like 215, 220 in about a year and a half. And uh, then, you know, I... Over the years, I was always kind of big, but just kind of fluffy, man. And then yeah. 2020 hit, started working out outside with a buddy, running, doing more. I started dropping. I, I like I lost like 10 pounds during COVID. Most most people went the other way. <laughs> and then we started CrossFit. That's been the big thing I started since 21. I had a nutritionist for a while. Man, that, that made the biggest – like for me, I was always the one thinking that I can outwork a bad diet. Yeah. And finally, I'm about to be 40 this year. I'm like, dude, you can't do it. So, like I said, when I seen your stuff, it was, like, very intriguing. I was always curious about the keto. I've never tried it, but it's one of those things where I was like, man, I want to talk to you about it and get some questions answered and kind of kind of see what that looks like because, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about trying something. When I, when I do start it, I'm very diligent, and I will follow the program. It's just I guess I've had questions or concerns or what I thought about it with uh, with doing CrossFit and things like that, but – what, what's your what's your current regimen is it still are you still doing keto is it how what does it look like nowadays i mean yeah so as a diet so right right now i'm having about 60 grams of carbs per day so i'm like at a barely not in ketosis but that's just because my training modality is what i have right now so i usually go about six or seven months out of the year i'm in ketosis and i use it as a tool at this point when i was losing weight there was like a three-year period where I did not come out of ketosis. I mean, that was just, I I just felt great. And then I learned to use it as a tool, right? Like it's just like anything, you know, keeping it very simple. You want to kind of keep your body guessing and there's lots of different ways to go throughout it. And I know that sounds very colloquial and very like almost oversaid, the whole keep your body guessing thing. We know it with with exercise stimulus that you always want to kind of have a shock, do something different. Uh, The same thing is sort of true with nutrition as far as what happens at a cellular level. So I really like to utilize being in a ketogenic state, not necessarily for fat loss at this point. For me, it's more for brain optimization. It's more for endurance because I do CrossFit as well. So for me, it's like when I'm in endurance phases, I really like working in a ketogenic state. It allows me to, you know, just those grinders to really just 
get them out when I'm in a more of a strength phase. Yeah, I'll increase carbohydrates. But even for me, high carbohydrates is like maybe max 150. And that's like max. Like usually for me, a high carbohydrate day is going to be like 100 to 125. So still low-ish carbohydrate either way. Um, But I've also learned proper timing. Like so even when I'm in ketosis, I can stack five, you know, 50 grams of carbohydrates post-workout and not get kicked out of ketosis and replenish glycogen. But additionally you know, jumping ahead to a question that you probably had, like as far as work perform, workout performance is concerned, when you are in a ketogenic state, you still manufacture carbohydrates within your body. So you restore muscle glycogen pretty much just as well, if not even better, when you're in a ketogenic state because your body is creating glucose through gluconeogenesis through the liver. So you're manufacturing, creating your own glucose from other substrates. You turn components of fat into glucose and you turn extra components of protein, amino acid, peptides into glucose. So the problem that people face is they never really give it a chance and they end up sitting in this gray area. So the body has a very, very clear and defined like on off switch with fat metabolism versus glucose metabolism. And it takes a little while for that fat metabolism to get revving up and get your body sort of developing the machinery to utilize those fats. So what happens is people start keto and their body hasn't adapted yet and they lose all this strength because they haven't adapted yet and they think, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this isn't going to fly. I can't do this. I need carbs. And that is the case for that short period of time, but it takes a few weeks for that fat adaptation to occur. You know, and the other thing that happens is people end up in this, I call it the gray area where they have just enough carbohydrates to not be in ketosis, but not quite enough carbohydrates to have optimal performance. So it's like, you really have to pick a camp, you know, and like, I'm a unique situation at this point in time because I understand the timing and I can, it all depends on what you're doing, right? But the point is, is you need to give it a little bit of time and you have to go aggressive enough to actually allow yourself the opportunity to create glucose. Because if you're giving yourself enough carbohydrates, then your body has no impetus to actually create them. Therefore, you just end up in that depleted state all the time. On what are your so the keto flu is always a thing that people describe. How how do you explain? So and I, I'll use myself as an example. So the keto flu for me was I was one that I was high high carbs and then I'm like okay I'm going on keto and it here comes Tuesday boom I'm on keto. I would feel bad um, for three days, body aches, everything. But getting through that is when my is when I started to feel the benefits of it. Um, you know, brain fog gone, more energy, sleep better. I mean, everything basically that happens. Do you find that the keto flu for you, if you if if do you still have it? A or B? When you come out of ketosis and go back into it, is there this big switch in your body now that you've been doing it so long? Yeah. So you develop what's called metabolic flexibility. There's a great analogy for this. So the whole keto flu thing, it's exactly what I was describing. It's where you're developing this metabolic machinery and you haven't quite developed it yet. You know, and usually it just takes a few days to start getting that machinery. It takes a few weeks to get fully adapted. But that, that first couple of days where your body's really struggling and being like, what are you doing? Like, I'm used to this fuel. The body will preferentially run on whatever fuel is more available. So if it's used to carbohydrates all the time, 
it's never had an opportunity to really utilize fats well. And then all of a sudden you're shifting it over and depleting glucose. It's going to be like, what the F is going on? And yeah. it's going to make you feel like total garbage. Right. So, yeah. And then also, you know, there's another piece to it with electrolytes kind of get out of whack and things like that. So one of the ways to get through that is just stack up electrolytes quite heavily Do low in, low intensity cardio. Don't do a lot of resistance training for like the first four or five days and just kind of ease yourself into it. But this whole metabolic flexibility thing, if you envision a railroad track, and that railroad track comes to a Y and one track goes to the left, one goes to the right. And there's that lever that they pull, you know, whatever, whoever it is that jumps off the train, conductor, engineer, whatever comes up, pulls the lever. So let's say the train is going to the left, running down the glucose track. Okay. The right is the fat track and it has to go one or the other. It's used to going down the left track all the time, always going down the glucose track. But then you get to a situation where, well, we need to go down the fat track. So conductor hops off and he tries to move that lever, but the lever's super rusty because it's never been moved. So he's got to work really, really hard to move that lever. It's really hard to get the train to go down the fat route. Okay. Well, the more that you move that lever back and forth, the more you free it up. It's like you put WD-40 on it. It's like one time, once you move that lever once, it's going to move better. It's not frozen anymore. So once you've developed that quote unquote metabolic flexibility, you have the ability to shift that lever a lot easier. And that lever doesn't just happen through your diet. That lever happens through your exercise too. Like when you're doing CrossFit, uh, and I spoke at the CrossFit games last year, just about this specifically, because CrossFitters by nature are very like carb, 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 carb. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, I I don't know if we're allowed to say his name anymore, but you know, Greg Glassman was, he was big on, (laughs) he he was big on, you know, the zone diet, which was moderate amounts of carbs, but even still he was, you know, no, I know him personally, and he's a very, very much a low carb advocate. And a lot of CrossFit was kind of built with that in mind. And so I came there and I spoke and it was actually very well received on explaining this being like, look at like you could have your cake and eat it too. Almost no pun intended. Right. It's like you could. Yeah. But the point is, is like when you are doing CrossFit, you're combining anaerobic anaerobic, like generally, you know, you have to have good I would say it's obviously skewed more towards anaerobic just with the kinds of intensity that's there. But, you know, now that we're seeing more biking and swimming and stuff like that in the games, it's it's a whole different yep. breed of cat. Like you're seeing actual endurance moves. And with that, you need to be able to be good at both fat utilization, because when you're doing aerobic work, your body's optimized for fats. When you're doing high intensity lifting and high intensity cardio, you're optimized for carbohydrates. So the more that you can metabolically get your body good at switching independent of what you are eating all that aside if your body has the ability to switch back and forth really really fast between these aerobic and anaerobic it actually works very very well for someone that's doing crossfit or someone that's you know and i work with the military on this too like work with special operations specifically with the army and it's for this exact reason it's like okay how can we make them as optimized as possible so that they're good at all mediums but also maintain cognitive function and that's another element of crossfit too is like people don't think about it with CrossFit, you have to, you have to be using your brain a little bit too. Like you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you're literally sitting there trying to count reps. Like that's not the stuff I'm talking about. It's talking about like a, your mental motor keeping going, yep. but also just the ability to, um, stay agile, like things like box jumps and stuff like that may seem like just a simple meathead thing, but no, that takes some mental acuity to like yeah. properly jump and, um, so it all it all matters, and it all you comes see, into you play. You should see me doing them. They they look like something. Sound like Shrek <laughs> jumping on a box. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I guess that's 
another question is like, man, what what do you tell people? Like, hey, I, I'm looking to, I want to do this. I want to try this out. Like, what's the, what should I be looking for early on? What like, what are some mind tricks or things that I should do to get uh, to get past these things? You know, what are some tips and tricks? Yeah, I mean, usually when people are first getting started, I'll use my father-in-law as a perfect example. You know, he is kind of a corn-fed, oaky kind of guy that just like just liked his simple. You know, give me give me brisket and and mashed potatoes, and I'm good. Um, you know, with him, it's just like, hey man, like, can you live without the mashed potatoes and just double up the brisket? You know, it's like simple mentality, like lean into what you like, right? That's not going to work for him forever, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna advise him to just eat brisket yeah. for the rest of his life. But <laughs> for the first two or three months of him doing this, he's just like, man, this is so awesome. I'm eating Polish sausage and briskets and this and, uh, you know, the occasional ribeye. He's like, this is amazing. I, and, then, and then he starts kind of expanding. Be like, well, what else can I have? I'm like, well, have some eggs for breakfast and have a little brisket with your eggs. It's all good. Whatever. You know, Grin, I'm personally, I love like a Mediterranean flair to my diet. So I'm not the kind of guy that's going to say live on brisket. But for someone like him, I and then if you but if you did have someone that was like a more Mediterranean type diet person, they like ate that style. They're like, hey, like, what do you like about your diet? Oh, well, I, you know, I really like my eggs. I really like my salmon. I really lean into the things you like and just focus on eliminating the carbs. Just get rid of all the noise that's out there in the internet. And I'm probably the one that's making the most noise about this uh, <laughs> as far as just lots of different details. But when someone is just getting started, it comes yeah. down to like, you have to have this Pavlovian response, right? The stimulus response needs to be, I like what I'm doing. <laughs> and it's like, so when even I do it myself, even when I go on and off keto, like if I'm about to go into a keto phase, I kind of get myself amped up about the things I get to enjoy because I don't typically enjoy the same things on keto that I enjoy not on keto. Because when I'm not on keto, I'm, I'm eating a lot more fruit. I'm eating a lot more lean meats. I'm eating a lot more veggies, you know, the occasional grain, usually some legumes, like it's pretty clean and it's probably not the most fun. But when I go keto, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to have some cheese. I can't wait to have, you know, that ribeye. I can't wait to have those fattier cuts. Get myself excited about that because it's like a whole different world. By contrast, it's a different set of foods for a different palate. And uh, so you just get excited about that and think, okay, the only thing I'm worried about here is eliminating the carbs. And once I get into that ketogenic state, when your body's actually producing ketones and you feel good and you feel energized, then you can start getting more granular with the little changes and the you know nuancey things you want to add into your diet. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious how that, uh, how easy that, like, you know, when I had that nutritionist in 21, for me, like the first week, I'm just like, you know, logging my stuff for her to see. And uh, for me, for my size and working out, I was under eating. That was a big problem I had. I wasn't eating enough calories either as far as what I was doing, you know. So actually, she we ramped up uh, gradually going up with my macros. And, uh, man, I, but I was losing like pound, pound and a half a week by upping my food intake. And so and actually, I was eating quite a bit of carbs. And I didn't feel... Like, I didn't worry about it, but I felt like I was eating too much carbs for a while to where uh, once we get to like, a, I mean, we were, I was almost like 3,000 calories a day. And I really, I got to a number above, above 2,800 a day. I really just get, I didn't feel good. So I don't know what that would look like as far as keto, as far as calorie goes. You know, what, what kind of macro or not, I guess it's not a macro deal because it's just, yeah protein and fats right I, and that's that is this that is a question that i would have too I, and it's not even more so a question it's just kind of like an idea a lot of people that go on keto 
you know, you're told only, you know, don't eat carbs. Well, then they go and eat 6,000 pounds or 6,000 calories of uh, meat and they're sedentary, which is you can, you can out calorie your carbs ultimately. Um, so I think, I mean, I think, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of like, you know, how, what, what steps would I take for that? What, how, how do I, how do I balance that out the right way with cutting out the carbs, going strictly that? where do I know how much to how much to eat or just trust my body I don't know yeah it's a tough one because I'm not a fan of tracking for the case of like sustainability I think tracking works don't get me wrong but it's not like I mean I'm a disciplined person and I'll track my food for for the sake of data and I I last about two weeks before like I'm missing stuff you know and it's like and I'm a disciplined person that is very regimented and even I I'm just like this is this and it's my literal friggin job you know so it's like the <laughs> <laughs> point is and yes it got you, old yeah it gets really old and like and, and you're dead on with like the calorie thing because at the end of the day like the caloric density of fats very very high you know nine calories per gram versus four calories per gram you're going to volume for volume out calorie a non-keto diet very quickly. Uh, some people will argue that, you know, carb insulin model calories don't matter nearly as much, or that some people will even say calories don't matter at all, which I find extremely hard to believe. I think that <laughs> calories definitely still matter. That's math. That's physics. It matters. Do ketones, the presence of ketones influence how we use calories differently? Absolutely. But that does not mean that calories don't matter. It means it influences how we use them. We're what's called an open thermodynamic system, which means that it's not absolute. It changes. You know, there's the Randall cycle. There's all these different things that come into play without a doubt. Um, it would be irresponsible to not give thoughtful acknowledgement to that. But I also see a lot of people that do keto that end up feeling amazing, but they're just not losing the weight. And then you look at what they're eating. I'm like, Hey man, like I know you love eggs, but you're having six eggs with like four ounces of cheese in them and four slices of bacon and a sauce, like you realize your breakfast is 2,100 calories, right? You know, and that's the dangerous slippery slope with keto is some, and people will lose weight really quick, sometimes independent of a severe deficit because they'll lose water. But also when you first drop insulin levels, there is sort of like a very initial drop in fat loss that occurs seemingly independent of calories, but it's, uh, And I think that does happen, but that quickly is recouped. So what I typically recommend for people, you know, it's again, lifestyle first, like get used to getting off the carbs, even if that means you're not losing weight, if you're gaining Mm -hmm. weight, adjust something, but like get used to getting off the carbs. Okay. Even if that means your maintenance weight stays the same, don't worry about it for a little bit, get yourself adapted to keto. So the cravings start to go away. Cause that's a big, that's a huge advantage of keto is the cravings are generally killed. So even if you don't lose weight on the front end, you will eventually because you'll be able to control things better. But the next step is, okay, the, the highest amount of calories that a lot of people take in outside of maybe just snacking on nuts and things like that that add up is the fatty cuts of meat. That is actually what hurts people. So I know like I use my father-in-law with the brisket example, but he needed that. He needed that to get mm-hmm. him going. The next iteration, and this is a literal example with him, is like, hey man, like if you take like a six ounce ribeye and another six ounce ribeye, and you weigh them out, one six ounce ribeye might have 50 grams of fat and one six ounce ribeye might have 30. You would, unless you really know, like you're looking at the marbling and you're like, that's a fattier cut. That's like, that's a huge delta between the two. And you're looking the same size, same size cut of meat. And one has 20 more 
grams of fat, you know, 20 times nine, like do the math. You're talking a couple hundred extra calories there. And you thought you ate the same thing you ate yesterday, eating the same cut. So it gets very dangerous very quick when you're doing that multiple times per day. And all of a sudden you did that four times today. You had four, six ounce ribeyes that were 200 calories more than the one you had yesterday. And now you're in a surplus of a thousand calories or 800 calories. Like someone that doesn't know what they're looking at, which this is no way, shape or form is mean to be like rude towards anyone is probably 99% of people. (laughs) That's going to be a problem. So I usually say, Hey, the quickest thing that you can do is probably just opt for leaner cuts of meat not because saturated fat is the enemy, not because of this and that, but because it's going to be easier for you to control. So you're going to go have a burger, go get some 93% lean beef. You're going to go have some chicken, have chicken thigh without the skin or have a chicken breast, you know, like just opt for leaner cuts that still taste good, but you're going to control your calories a lot more. And then you can kind of be like, okay, I can fluctuate the fat intake with avocados. I can fluctuate the fats with olive oil. I can fluctuate. And next thing you know, you're actually if you do it right, eventually you're eating sort of this clean keto, which is what I really preach because I'm not a big fan of doing dirty keto. I'm like, next thing you know, you're kind of having this keto with a Mediterranean flair. Like the first book I wrote was the new Mediterranean diet, which was literally like Mediterranean principles, but keto, like without the grains, because it actually lends itself quite well to that with high omega threes, good quality fish, good quality meats, good quality cheeses, aged cheeses, the shit that actually tastes good quite frankly, yeah. like people think Mediterranean is like, oh, it's going to be pasta with like some lean shellfish. Like, no, when you actually look at what they eat, it's like charcuterie. It's like awesome prosciutto. It's nice, fairly fatty cuts of meat sometimes, but you know, leaner fish and they've got good veggies that people like, like things like, you know, glazed Brussels sprouts and something good stuff, right? It's actually good food and you can do that all on keto and not saying, and that's again, but it's hard to get someone to jump right into that. They have to have this evolution because yeah. they're not going to jump right into that because it's a lot of work. Um, but that's kind of the next step. It's like, Hey, watch the, watch the fatty cuts of meat. Try to lean that back a little bit more. One of the big things on keto that I learned when I first, when I first did it was you don't, you know, you think meats, you think no carbs and you're told your whole life that vegetables are great. Well, that's true. Vegetables are great. Carrots, extremely high in carbs. Yeah. There's, you know, there's uh, fruit. Some people, you know, they like fruit, right? So that's high in carbs. Um, I think one of the things that was, you know, successful for me is finding what is keto good for keto and what is not and yeah. deciphering the difference and looking back on it. Had I known that before I started, I think that the the weight loss and the, I think that would have gone much better than it did. And, you know, I, I guess kind of understanding and getting knowledge before you do it is probably a big part of, you know, the keto diet as well. And not to drink vodka tonics instead drink vodka, vodka soda. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, so how do you, how do you combat that where people, like, oh, man, I'm going to eat a bunch of fruit and vegetables as well. That's good because it's not, it's not bread. That's what they're thinking carbs are. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, again, yeah, it definitely nailed it with the education piece, right? Because fruit is not necessarily a terrible thing on keto if you're opting for things like berries. I mean, like strawberries, right. like a cup of them is like nine grams of carbs or something. And out of that, like four of its fibers. So it's like, holy crap, like I can actually do a decent amount of strawberries and not have a problem. Um, I'm always a big fan of testing ketones too but that's a big ask for people that are just the 99 percent of people that just want to do it for lifestyle but testing ketones and learning oh well i can have a little bit of fruit and it doesn't kick me out of ketosis you know 
the wonderful thing that comes with people doing keto is it, it helps them learn a natural barrier between carbohydrates and like when they should be consuming them. And it starts teaching people to look at the label and be conscious of it. But in the vegetable piece, I usually just say, you know, if it's lean and griefy, lean and griefy, <laughs> if it's <laughs> leafy and, and <laughs> I like that, <laughs> if, it, if it's leafy and green, then it's probably fine. Like you're not going to find some high sugar, leafy green, you know, if it's green more than likely it's good. Asparagus, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, bok choy, Swiss chard, spinach that's wilted, things like that. And you've got like the carnivore community that thinks like vegetables are out to kill you. I don't necessarily believe that's true. I think that raw vegetables are probably not designed to really be eaten raw. I do understand that piece with phytates and oxalates, but when you cook them, those are broken down. So that's kind of a moot point. So the veggies that I consume on keto are generally cooked. I would say artichoke, asparagus, broccoli. Those are like the three that I probably just eat a ton of. The rest, you know, maybe I'll wilt some spinach into my eggs and stuff like that. And then you're getting phytonutrients. You're getting some of the nutrients you need out of it. And then if you have some berries, you have some raspberries, some strawberries, some blueberries, try to control it to less than a cup a day. You're getting a decent amount of antioxidants and polyphenols there that are doing a lot of positive things within your body. But like one of my favorite desserts on keto was just having like some blueberries and some strawberries with some heavy whipping cream that I would whip up with stevia to make it like sweet, you know? So it's like make whipped cream with stevia or monk fruit, put that on some berries and you just never feel like you're missing anything. It's like, you're getting, wow, this actually feels nourishing and it feels good. And it feels like I'm getting something my mouth wants to. Hey, does, does the keto diet help with, uh, inflammation in your body? Cause I, man, that's one thing I noticed, like, dude, I get my knees flare yeah. up especially from doing CrossFit, man, I feel like a lot of it is from what I eat. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, of, that's a big, that's keto. a big one for sure. I, I am a, I am of the firm belief that diet plays a critical role in the inflammatory response within our body. I'd say unanimously across a lot of the larger studies that I see, like reducing carbohydrate intake seems to re- reduce, you know, C-reactive protein, interleukin six, like all these markers of inflammation. Um, the mechanism is a little bit confusing because you used to think that the presence of ketones themselves, like when you deplete carbs, your body creates ketones. These ketones have multiple effects on our cells. They're not just fuel. They're signaling devices. They impact our brain. They actually trigger our DNA to do different things. Like they're very interesting molecules. And when that happens, they are also, uh, reducing or inactivating something called nuclear factor kappa b and also what's called the nlrp3 inflammasome which is fancy terminology for basically the inflammatory response at a dna genetic level and it attenuates that um however it's important to note and i know this isn't like a scientific podcast but i still try to like add nuance (laughs) we've seen a little bit of a regression to the mean with some of that research where maybe it's not the ketones that are having this anti-inflammatory effect, although early in the research, it was very clear. Now, as we're seeing more research, we're seeing it might just be less oxidative stress since burning high amounts of glucose is a high oxidative stressor. So is it the presence of the ketones or is it the absence of so much sugar and glucose? That remains to be seen. But the bottom line is that I speak for myself. I've got a ruptured disc in L4, L5, L5, S1. When I'm not on keto, that bitch hurts when I am in keto, <laughs> that bitch does not. So uh, that's all well, that's I can good. say. I mean, I, 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 dude, I, there's so much stuff. I, I've been following you. I watch your videos. I watch your content. Uh, I like watching it. And, you know, then I watch Saladino. I, I, I watch all kind of guys. 
and then uh so i try to stay up to date and then the more i see it's a lot of diet that that causes inflammation i'm like man i gotta figure out what i can do to help move because i'm only i'm about to be 40 man so i was like it's not getting any better so it's, for sure it's definitely it's definitely i know what i'm putting in is probably causing more of those issues yeah man it's i mean again i use i keep using my father-in-law as an example poor guy but he's just like you know double knee repair double knee surgery uh, replacement and i just he just had his right his just had his left knee replaced his right knee you know a few months ago and he lost a bunch of weight doing keto and then he had his surgery and kind of put some weight back on because he kind of came off keto and was sedentary during the recovery and he just had this other knee repaired and he's kind of complaining about how it hurt and i'm like man just i'm telling you like it's i'm, I'm not do what you want but go back keto and that sucker's not going to hurt as bad i can almost guarantee it within a week he's just like texting me he's like man dude this is pretty crazy like this knee does not hurt <laughs> you know it's, we can send him a brisket yeah, <laughs> yeah we're texas <laughs> texas brisket Heck yeah <laughs> Uh, so, hey, I've seen one of your latest videos. I wanted to ask about the vitamin D deficiency. So, like, dude, for some reason, my vitamin D is always low. Mm-hmm. One, I have skin problems with the sun, dude. So, I, I try not to get a ton of sun because of I get skin cut off me all the time. Uh, but I've seen your last thing about vitamin D and taking it four to five hours before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what's the best way to supplement that if I can't just get a ton of sun on me? I'm what glad. Do you, what do you I'm recommend? glad you're really glad you brought that. It's like a really important thing. Um, you know, so vitamin D, I think we need to, the vitamin D being low, I think is usually a canary in the coal mine for something, uh, for other deficiencies. I don't want to say like problems, like deficiencies, nutrients. Yep. Um, so people will be like, because we got way too many people deficient in vitamin D, even when they're out in the sun. Um, but if you look holistically at how vitamin D is synthesized and how vitamin D interacts with vitamin A and how vitamin A and omega-3 and retinol available A, this whole complex chain, they all work together. And if you start taking a bunch of synthetic vitamin D supplements, it can raise your vitamin D levels. But we are we just treating a symptom? Like in this case, people think, what are the symptoms of low vitamin D? I don't look at it like that. I look at what is low vitamin D a symptom of? Because there's okay. something else going on that's making our vitamin D low. And all we're thinking about is how do we get our vitamin D up? That's no different than saying like, hey, what's making your testosterone low? Well, all I care about is your testosterone's low. Here's an injection. Like, sure, it makes the testosterone up, go up, but does it actually solve the issue? And when we look at vitamin D, it's like this is a serious issue where like we're talking like 40, 50% of people are, are becoming deficient. Like something's universally going on. And it's, mm-hmm. again, I, I can't speak out of turn. I don't know what, but I do know some of the pathways. So I usually recommend when people take vitamin D to take cod liver oil and you don't have to do it in like the nasty oil. Like you can get it in soft gels where you don't taste anything. The thing with cod liver oil is first of all, it's stable. So it doesn't really go rancid because it's in a triglycerol form, but you've got Omega-3s, which are great. You've got vitamin A and you've got bioavailable vitamin D, which is essentially coming in a very concentrated form, the same way you would get from like eggs or eating liver or things like that. But it's concentrated out of literally a cod liver. So it's such a good way to get vitamin D up without depleting vitamin A. Because if you take in synthetic vitamin D, there's research to show that it can deplete retinol A and actually hurt your eyesight and things like that later on. So I'm not like anti-vitamin D supplement, even though it sounds like I am. I think there's a use case for it. And I think with the chronic situation we're seeing, I think it might be one of the only interim stop gaps. But I'm a huge cod liver oil guy. And like in the wintertime, I increase my cod liver intake. And in the summertime, I decrease it because I'm outside more. 
and okay. I try to modulate my vitamin D intake. And I would recommend you do the same, even though you're not out in the sun a lot. Like if you're out in the sun, because you don't go out in the sun a whole lot, you're probably more sensitive to it. So your impact is going to be more. So go out in the sun. Don't take cod liver oil that day. But if you are or not in the sun, take cod liver oil that day. Um, that's but it doesn't mean that you can't take vitamin D synthetically as well, like a 2000 IU. I would just support it with some cod liver oil so you get the supporting nutrition as well. Well, that's what I've seen. I've seen you talking about the cod liver oil in there. I was curious what that was like. Because uh, I've taken vitamin D supplements because the doctors told me, hey, man, you're vitamin D low. But, yeah, I'm looking like, w- w- what is that? What's that cause? Yeah. How is that? It's not that I don't, don't get in the sun. I play golf or get in the sun. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put sunscreen on i know you're still getting sun but it's just uh i don't know if that's any correlation there i'm just i, I just yeah. kind of was curious i seen that video just the other day i was kind of curious well just recess one of your recent videos i've seen i just want to know what your thoughts were you know if there's anything anything else besides that well, or i'm gonna try this cod liver oil just to kind of see how i how it looks on the next blood panel you know i think yeah i think you'll feel a lot better you know don't okay. always just look at a blood panel you know look okay. at like how how you feel is most important are you symptomatic so you take someone that's got super low testosterone but the, you know they get it up just fine their wife's perfectly happy everyone's happy they're happy in the gym they're just like oh but my testosterone's low well no you're gonna create some psychosis out of that like you know just because your testosterone's low does and you're not you know if you're not symptomatic it's not a problem like your body is finding balance if there hasn't been exogenous hormone intervention that's effed you up it's not a problem um but another thing you know to consider is there's a very strong correlation between vitamin d being low and insulin resistance so in fact eerily almost the same as like people that are deficient in vitamin d are also like large cohorts insulin resistant i'm like hmm eh, like if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck maybe our issue is a metabolic issue with people being insulin resistant and not being able to synthesize vitamin d properly although it just hasn't been investigated a lot all we have is strong correlation right now um but it's enough to say hey like maybe changing the diet to kind of reduce insulin resistance a little bit it's only going to help you and you might see as a positive byproduct your vitamin d go up okay so basically, Dale's diabetic. Pre-diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the caption of this podcast. Yeah, that's the yeah, title. That's the that's the, that's the <laughs> yeah the clickbait. That yep. was good. <laughs> oh, good man. That oh, is man, that's awesome. That is always uh, a struggle of, of balancing that clickbait. Trying, you know, it's like in such a competitive, saturated world online. It's like for me with scientific content, I'm like, man, how do I? Sometimes I have to go kind of clickbaity. I never like lie, but it's like you got to get the click. And then I, so I always like kind of joke, like, you know, come for the clickbait, stay for the nuanced discussion. Yeah. But it's man, it's 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 tough out there. You're like, why is blueberry the devil? Yeah. I knew you had one about something about blueberries recently on there. Well, the blueberry <laughs> one's good. Good blueberries are good. Okay. But yeah. yeah. Uh, no, man, like I said, it, I, I know we wanted to get you on here. I know we don't have a ton of time left with you, but uh, we got a few minutes left to wrap up. But. Any other questions you have with him? No, I mean, I think you've done a very good job. Uh, one of the things I was saying in the beginning I want to reference back to is how you're able to take a, a complex matter and, and dumb it down. The train track, the, switching back and forth on train tracks, that's the the epitome of what I was talking <laughs> about. It makes sense, you know, the, the rust going back and forth in that, you know, what you were talking about beforehand was a little over my head and then you dumbed it down. And now I kind of understand it. So that that's the kind of thing that I think that, you know, the content that you put out and, the, you know, the things that I've seen, it's 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 very well, very well spoken about. Yeah. So how, how long of a 
I mean, man, you got a big following YouTube, which is awesome to see. Uh, how long was it? I mean, I guess you, you, I guess you kind of came out and started being viral at the beginning, right? With your stuff. Yeah. The first million took a while. I mean, I shouldn't say it took a while. I mean, it grew fast. I mean, the first million I think was like, you know, three or four years, but then the second million I grew in a year. It went from one to 2 million in, in a year. And then, uh, two to three took, you know, close to two years. And then after three, it's, this is like kind of standard. Like after three, it gets kind of hard because in the health niche, like you really, you either go super narrow and like get a devout following in one specific category. And I didn't want to just talk to keto and fasting all the time because there's so much more to it than that. And so much more to what I do than that. So I have to kind of, okay, now I got to kind of go broad because we got to get broader. So it's like you start, you, I really start to understand some of the dilemmas that the entertainment industry faces too. It's like, okay, like, and producers really have their work cut out for them by trying to appeal to masses while not like losing integrity of their message, um, which is what I've been trying to do. It's like, how do I talk to a wide audience while still remaining true north to what I'm talking about? And I think I've done a good job with that, but you know, we had to go through like a six month period where we almost considered it almost rebranding. Cause we're like, we're going to be pissing some people off because we're going to be talking about carbs here and there. And like, I've had built a following of people that were like, carbs will kill you, you know, <laughs> but I have helped them think otherwise and open their eyes and get out of an echo chamber and kind of I mean, seen your teaser. I seen your teaser about when you're coming up with carbs. Yeah. I mean, you made a kind of big deal leading up to it. Totally. Like you were dropping a truth, big truth bomb on people. Yep. And, uh, and then I was like, so I was intrigued. I was like, man, what the hell is he going to talk about? And then boom, you start, I guess, talking about your introduction to carbs, which, uh, I'm sure that would get some people that are yeah, devout yeah. keto guys. They're like, Oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> hey, sure. Liver, Liver King just did some rebranding. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, maybe I should just do that. Maybe that maybe it was just like rebrand entirely. Maybe I should just be like, I've been, yeah, I've been, yeah, uh, I've actually been eating carbs the whole time and yeah. taking steroids. Yeah, so yeah, no. I, I guess the hardest part for me is like snacking, man. Like for me, I'm like, dude, like you're talking about, like I know when I'm counting stuff, and I was eating things. I was tracking that, but man, it just got very tough to where you you kind of cut it out, but like. The snacking is probably the hardest for anybody changing, right? When you think yeah. that's the hundred percent. Yeah, the snacking is uh, it's kind of my like people always say, like, what's the one thing that you would say as a takeaway? I'm like, if you can just allocate your snacking into a defined period, like you define your meals, it would change your life. You know, because like we feel like snacking is a free-for-all. Like once the meal is done, we can snack however much we want between the next meal. Treat yourself like a four-year-old or a three-year-old where you have a designated snack time. You know, my kids, in an effort to keep them from constantly asking for a snack, which, you know, you know all too well with your role and yep. what you do. Like, it's just like, like it's like they have four freaking stomachs. What the hell's going on? Like, you yep. just had breakfast <laughs> yeah. and now you want, like, literally just put your bowl in the I'm sink. The, I'm full. Are you going to have ice cream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my kids have just learned the whole, like, that they can say their tummy hurts and that, uh, so, you know, for the first little while, you're like, what's going on with you? And then you're like starting to realize. So finally, I'm just like, you know, if your tummy is hurting this much after you eat every time, we got to take you to the doctor. Something's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm OK. Yeah, you got to play those five tricks. <laughs> you know, but because yeah, it was just like becoming this thing. But it's like for the kids, it's like, OK, if we don't have a just OK, it's snack time then it's a free for all. Can I have a snack? And then next thing I know, I'm managing like two kids snacks and, and my own snacks. And I'm like, when did Emma have a snack? When did Tommy have a snack? No, Tommy, you just had this. No, you just had macadamia nuts. No, wait, did you know that was Emma? No shit. Okay. Let's just <laughs> 10 o'clock. You both get a snack, you know, treat yourself like that. 
because then you're, it's this constant spiking of insulin, this constant grazing that's never letting you get into that fat burning mode. It's like yeah. just, I mean, the best bet is just be like, just have three square meals. Just have breakfast, lunch, and dinner and eliminate the snacking and have a large breakfast, medium-sized lunch, and a smaller dinner than you probably are having now. Go in that order, you know, dinner like, or breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, dinner like a pauper. That is a game changer for so many people. And then designated snack times, you know, a morning snack time and an afternoon snack time and leave it at that. I'll get your, you get your goldfish at 10, Vaughn. Yes, exactly. What, so what do, you, what, do you, what do you struggle with, man? Like, what are your struggles with your uh, daily, like, or something you try, to, you try to fight with besides Jack and Box tacos? Yeah, oh, man. Uh, now I might swing by and get one on the way home. But, you know, okay, so my, this is going to sound almost, it's going to almost sound elitist in a way, but it's definitely, it's not. I promise you it's not. It's like the situation that, that's what's hard for me now is being in the position that I'm in is this existential thing of like, if I change my body, if I look a different way, if I get leaner or like, where's my motivation? Like I'm already very lean. Like I've already lost weight. People see me a certain way. It's not like if I get, you know, I'm six or 7% body fat now. It's like, if I get down to five, is it going to improve my business? Is it going to make, improve my quality of life? That's a very transactional way of thinking because I don't like to look at life as just like, oh, like here's what here's my transaction with like my life and how much money I make. That's not the goal at all. But the point is, is like I've always kind of been driven somewhat, um, you know, by this external goal. And like when you like, okay, I have a successful fitness brand, I have a successful health brand, I am very well known in that space. Like getting leaner is not going to change that more. So I start like. But I'm also at this point where like I'm mid thirties, like I'm not going to go and be like, and win the CrossFit games. Like, it's just not, you know, like it's yeah. well, maybe, I don't know, probably shouldn't talk like that, but either way, the point is that you start <laughs> looking like, well, where's my motivation? So then it's like, well, my motivation is just to be healthy and to live a long time. Well, that's like selling insurance. No one gives a shit about what's going to happen 30, 40, 50 years from now, like until it's too <laughs> fucking late. So I'm like, what? so it's like, I'm in this like conundrum of like, okay, okay, like my reward is I just want to feel good. Like, I just want to feel good. Yeah. But that doesn't always get articulated appropriately in videos. Like, it's not, like, that doesn't sell, right? You can't talk about like, hey, it's, it's fun to feel good, do this. Like, that's, that works if you're like trying to cheerlead some six-year-olds. But yeah, it's, so it sounds very like elitist. Like, oh, that's such a, like a first world problem to have. Like, you know, but it's a serious problem because I'm like, where's my motivation? And like, I found in the last year, it's been harder to get myself motivated than it ever has been because it's like, well, if I change my body a little bit, no one, like, it's not going to change my business at all. Um, so maybe I'll just get super obese and, and just do it all again. You, you guys, you guys know, uh, yeah. you guys know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk saying that, but he's, he's guys like, you know, uh, Drew Manning, uh, fit to fat to fit like his, I've seen that. Guy. Yeah. I've like, seen that. <laughs> I wonder, yeah. I wonder if he, I mean, he's a good friend of mine. He's awesome. Like, um, he was a trainer, right? Yeah. He's a, yeah. He, That's you know, got, yeah. put on like 70 pounds just to lose it, to show, just to kind of lose it yeah. with his clients and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then he did it again when he turned 40 and then, uh, oh, yeah, God. he's, uh, gotta get tougher each time. Yeah. He's an, he's an animal, but I wonder if he, you know, part of me wonders if he just got bored and was just like, I just need to like do something different, but I'm not bored. Like I enjoy my training. I enjoy it, but I don't want my training to be driven by, uh, looking a certain way. I am a perfect example right now of what happens if you put too much emphasis on looking a certain way. And again, I'm a happily married man with two kids, but a lot of my brand is built upon how I look. And yeah, you shredded, dude. It's, I mean, it's like, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, and it's it's a harsh world out there, man. It's like if I have a dark circle under my eye, I hear about it in my comments. People be like, like, oh, what? Oh, Mr. Unhealthy over here. Look at the circles <laughs> under his eyes. Like, oh, don't you sleep, Mr. Healthy? It's like there's a lot of pressure to look a certain way, and that can demoralize you too. So there's always, I guess my point with that is that there's always going to be hurdles. There's always going to be things that stand in the way of motivation. So if you're not really doing it to feel good, you're going to constantly be battling that. Yeah. So what, so what are your, you talk about your wife, kids. So what does your wife do? Does she do the same, is she on the same kind of regimen as you or are you guys on the same page with that? No, she thinks I'm nuts, but she's, uh, <laughs> she's very, very healthy. I mean, she, she lives okay. with me. She, she works out with me three days a week. The rest of the time she just walks a bunch, you know? So it's like she lifts, but she's not obsessed with it like me. She does cardio, but she's not obsessed with it like me. She eats clean, but she's not obsessed with it like me. So she kind of gets the, the trickle down Thomas effect. Um, but she's, she's very, very healthy and she's, she's super, super active. So it's, I think she's doing it the right way. Like I'm so probably, basically yeah. she's normal. She's she, normal. She's, she's a normal, a normal, healthy person. That well, yeah. that happens with couples. Like say when I went all in on my stuff, and my wife was starting to, she just half-assed it the whole time. And I was like, hey, you're not going to see results if you know. So it's when you're on the same page for, I guess, for people starting out, it makes it tough because you hear a lot of times that the ladies like they're trying to lose weight and they're like, oh yeah, but my husband's sitting there, with my kids eating pizza when I'm doing this. So <laughs> that that makes it tough, I would think for. For couples, if your your things don't align, you know, some people, you know, what if your wife wasn't a clean eater? I mean, yeah. then it would really be a battle, you know? Yeah. Oh, 100%, man. I did, a, <laughs> I did a video like seven years ago. Like, it was one of my early videos on how to, like, get your family on board with your diet. And it wasn't like to, you don't want to, like, get them to do the exact diet you're doing. But what it was, was, again, it comes back to simple Pavlovian response. Like, if you... If you turn into an asshole when you start dieting, of course, that is naturally going to make that person repulsed by the decisions you're making and they're going right. to regress and they're going to rebound and sort of revolt the other way. And that's only going to make your journey harder. And so it becomes more difficult because if you're making a lifestyle change and you're eating better, even if you're hungry and you want to get cranky, you need to make this extra concerted effort to be more loving and a better husband or a better spouse than you were before so that the spouse or the person, your loved one says, I like this, Thomas, I like this person, right. it's better. Okay, I think I wanna join them. You know, if you turn into a total dickhead, they're not gonna wanna join you. Like, they're just gonna be repulsed by you. <laughs> and it's so simple, but it's so true. And never being, yeah. able, never pushing it down their throat. In fact, I usually recommend when people like make a diet change and they know their spouse isn't going to be on board. Like if you know, Hey, this there, Bob's going to fight back on this or whatever, just do it and don't talk about it because okay. I know the way that my wife is. It's like the more that I talk to her about something and try to convince her to do something, the more she goes the <laughs> yeah. other way. If yeah. I just shut my damn mouth and let yeah. my actions speak louder than my words, it works much better. Okay. Well, it's like we do CrossFit. I started CrossFit. That's one of the things you talk about it. You know, yeah. well, it's one of those deals. And that's what and that's what and that's what ladies do. They like to take the like the they like to suck the life out of us. So as soon as we find something that we enjoy, and they see us enjoying it, they'll come in and take it from us. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, do, I like to I like to I like to be dickhead year round. That way, I can set a level of expectation. There's, yeah, there's so. actually something to be said about that too. And I'll, and random and random leaves of absences, you know, random a wall just to like. Make sure that they miss you a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I travel a lot for work. <laughs> yeah, so you, you go to Thomas Delar's website for uh, relationship advice. <laughs> See, you're not painted into a keto box. You're there a you therapist. <laughs> one, one day I will spin off and just do what I really want to do and just do like health-related comedy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but people just, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it all on your end. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, so one thing I wanted to ask, just to close out with, I, I was just kind of curious. I seen your, I know you, you said you're friends with uh, Mr. Glassman, and then uh, I see your friends with Dave Castro, and I seen you do that 35 mile ruck mm-hmm. of after fasting. So how how was that, man? That looked like insane. Just reading about it. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun, man. I mean, fun in a weird masochistic kind of way, but it was. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty well prepared for it metabolically. I think you know those okay. guys like Dave did some. You know, Dave's he's not real public about this because he catches crap when he talks about it, but he's pretty strict keto. Um, you know, and he's, uh, but he's, you know, he's in this CrossFit world where if he talks about that a lot, he just, it just unnecessary drama for him really. Um, like he's, he actually doesn't, Dave doesn't give a shit. He just doesn't want excess drama. Um, he's a super cool guy. I've never met him, but yeah, that was fun, man. It was, uh, yeah, 35 miles, the 35 pounds. He had to be 24 hours fasted when you started. So by the time we finished, we were, you know, close to well like 30, 38 hours fasted so yeah it was uh it was just to prove that like hey i didn't waste away we didn't lose muscle none of us died and like our measured my glucose along the way and stuff like that yeah it was, it was it was fun it was a good good point to prove it was neat to see just because yeah i guess you do crossfit uh and like you know that's when i asked you i've asked you an instagram messages i'm like man I, my my concern was because you always hear about you got to have the carbs if you're doing heavy lifting and stuff like that to be able to maintain but uh i guess you're walking poster boy for that's that's the opposite you know yeah. it's more about health and doing the right thing for sure for, for sure. your body 100 percent. all right man yeah, yeah man we appreciate you appreciate no, you being on for sure this flew by dude i know you had you didn't have a whole lot of time but I, we appreciate your time man this is awesome yeah we'll, we'll do it again soon man maybe you get you know get a bunch of questions and people uh you know people have questions send them into you guys we'll do a round two where we can kind of rapid fire some questions or something Oh, yeah, no, awesome. hey man, any anything like we're just trying to bring uh people on that that uh have knowledge about things that people want to hear about. And like I said, you know, there's some following I'm sure we have from from our background of following that don't know about you, uh, that they can hear about this and, you know, want to dig in more and they can go find you at uh where what are your socials and your YouTube? Yeah, I mean just yeah, Thomas Delauer on YouTube, Thomas Delauer on Instagram. Um okay. I don't really do anything on TikTok, but I'm there. Um <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. Well, when we share this, we'll share all these with your your socials as well, and uh, hopefully get some new people that are uh, curious about it. They can find your information, and really, uh, I mean, you're a good spot to go. I feel from uh for this topic. Appreciate sure. it, man. But uh, yeah, Thomas. Uh, all right, you guys. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. Yep. Thank you, man. See you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Later.